As a business owner, one key number you may care about is how much is your business worth? Today on the Financial Operating Base, we will speak with Jeff Plank, U.S. Army veteran, certified valuation analyst, and principal of consulting services at Warren Everett. And joining us today, we have Jeff Plank, Army veteran and principal at Warren Averett in their consulting division. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Hey, happy to be here. Well, let's jump right in. Let's start with your experience, your journey, your time in the military, uh, what you've done after you left the military and what you're doing now. Sure. I went to West Point, the United States Military Academy. Graduated with a mechanical engineering degree, was in the military for six years in the Army Corps of Engineers. And um, during the time I was in the Army, I got my registered professional engineer license. And I always kind of thought that if I ever got out of the military, I'd become a professional engineer. And didn't quite work out that way. I ended up getting an MBA from the University of Chicago and had um, a number of different jobs in different industries. Um, started out and um, working for PepsiCo as a construction manager in the Taco Bell division, and then took um, a job in banking as an internal consultant within retail financial services, and um, moved to Atlanta, had another job in the, a bank with Wachovia Bank Court Services, and a few more positions as senior corporate finance positions in various industries before I started my career in public accounting, which I've been in now for over 15 years. And Jeff, in, within public accounting, uh, you work in the consulting division, and I know you are, um have some specialty designations as far as valuation of businesses go. Can you tell us a little bit about how, where you specialize uh, and then explain maybe the types of clients you're serving now? Sure. So I do have a, a number of credentials. One is a CVE, which is Certified Valuation Analyst. Um, my other credential is CEPA, Certified Exit Planning Advisor. And so my practice area goes across a couple of different verticals. I do um, business valuations and I, I do it in um, litigation context as well as trust the state context and also in a mergers and acquisition context as well. We, you know, we could talk about each, each one of those. And um, I'm also part of our transaction advisory, um, transaction advisory services group here at Warren Averett and that's, that area is growing very quickly as well. And so, we mentioned valuation, we mentioned litigation support, transaction advisory, and just um, general business consulting, helping business owners think about you know, where they wanna go and, and putting together a plan to get there. So those are kind of the areas that I focus on. So some of the more common um, understanding of valuation is M&A. So I think that's the one that most people have a grasp on. Um, but as a business owner or potential business owner, what er other areas or situations might a valuation of a private business come in handy? 
Yeah, I think it's good. We, we like to tell our clients that if they're looking to grow their business and add value to their business, it's really important to get, to get a benchmark. Um, and then what we like to do is kind of reevaluate that every year. So we start with, you know, doing an evaluation of a company and, you know, we could talk more about the mechanics of that and what we look for and, and how that works. But, but once you kind of have that stick in the ground, so to speak, um, if we're, especially if we're working with them to sell the business and enhance the value of the business, um, and they may, you know, we don't, this doesn't always happen, but ideally, you know, they're coming to us three or four years in advance, you know, maybe they, they just turned 60 or maybe they just turned 55. And so they know they want to sell their business in four or five years. And so that's really ideal if they could come to us and, and you know, four or five years out. So we can, we can do evaluation and that kind of helps them plan. You know, they may, they may look at that valuation and, and say, wow, you know, I thought my business was, was a lot more than that. So, um, you know, then we can work with them and, and, and enhancing the value of that. And that's something that we could do on an annual basis. And so they could kind of see, you know, how that value grows over time from working with us. Jeff, I think a lot of, uh, maybe the veteran entrepreneurs and business owners that may be listening to the program or, um, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, everyone thinks you, you create something from scratch, you become this unicorn. Um, and then you sell out for, you know, a billion dollars. And in reality, that's probably not the way it works. So what are some steps that uh, a younger entrepreneur or someone starting a business um, should think about to try to um, enhance the value when you really don't have an established business yet? Because the first time they go out and maybe need outside capital from an investor, they have to propose something. Well, I do think it's important to have a have a business plan. Um, you know, if you talk to most people that are in this deal space, they'll say, you know, 90% of the business plans that they see, um, you know, the business owner ends up changing it and pivoting it. But I do think, you know, if you are going out and, and looking for money, you need to, you need to have a well thought out plan. And you also need to think about, you know, how, how are you differentiating yourself? You know, if you're, if you're going to give money to somebody, you want to make sure that you get a good return on that investment. So if you're, if you're kind of a young entrepreneur looking to start a business, maybe you just have some ideas or, or maybe, you know, you do, you've actually started the business. I think you need to look carefully about what your um, your SCA is or what your sustainable competitive advantage is. You know, who, who are your competitors um, and how are you going to be, you know, how are you going to compete with them? Are you competing with them on price? Are you competing with them because you have some intellectual property? You do have some patents. Um, so I, th I think you need to carefully think through that before you know before if you haven't start, started a business or if you're if you're getting one off the ground is 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 what differentiates you and 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 making sure that you have a plan when you start thinking about um the initial stages of quantifying that so i'm thinking um entrepreneur that's starting to put together the first projections and the first uh you know income statement and balance sheets and things like that um a lot of that feels like um, almost pure assumption. What advice would you give someone when they're putting together their first pro 
projections because they're very early in their stage. Maybe they're starting to get some initial um, sales and they're thinking about growth rates and things like that. Is there any kind of uh, uh, key points or tips that can bolster some of the assumptions that they come up with? So when they go to either valuation or they go to raise capital, um, there's a little more to uh, the assumptions and some of those those factors um, than pure guessing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, kind of a good way to think about it would be kind of what's the mar total market opportunity worth and then how much of the market are you looking to to get? And so, you know, if I'm an investor looking to put money into a business, I'll be kind of thinking, you know, how realistic of that. If I'm looking at their projections and they're projecting to get, you know, 40 or 50% of the market within four or five years, that may be kind of unrealistic. So make sure you understand, you know, what the market is and, and, you know, how you're growing, how you're acquiring uh, as a percent of market share as you grow. The other thing is, so, uh, you know, we, we could, I don't know how much you want to get into the mechanics of how, how do you value a business, but one way to value the business is using what's called an income approach. And there's a couple of different uh, methodologies within the income approach. You have the capitalization of earnings and then you have a discounted cash flow. For a discounted cash flow, in essence, what you're doing is you're forecasting out your cash flows for a definitive period, usually five or six years. And then you have what's called a continuing value after that. And so, you know, I, I get this asked this question a lot. In other words, you know, we're valuing a business using a discounted cash flow, and and the business owner is like, well, heck, you know, I just, you know, I have a hard time trying to find out what the cash flow is going to be in the next twelve months, much less the next four or five five years. And what I say is like, you know, yes, but that's part of what we're doing with the discount rate. So we're going to apply a discount rate to your cash flows. And the more uncertainty in those cash flows, the higher the discount rate is going to be. And so that works inversely proportional. So the higher the discount rate, the lower the value. And so what I usually tell them is like, you know, don't, think about think about you can have three different types of cash flows one is wildly aggressive one is kind of a sandbag and then one is kind of more middle of the road conservative and i usually have them go with more of the middle of the road conservative but then also when we look at doing valuations on a discounted cash flow we have you know, part of it's it's an opinion obviously so you can have two valuation analysts doing the same procedure and the same valuation, they're going to come up with, with different um, um, indications of value. So it is the opinion. Um, so that's the first thing to keep in mind for any valuation. It's an opinion. But um, you're also kind of basing that on the stage that the business is in. And the AICPA has issued some guidance around that based on the, you know, if you're, um, you're basically a business that that you don't have any revenues and you know so you'd be like in the startup phase versus a business where you know you, you you've started you know you have some revenues maybe you've gotten some money from a private equity group or a series a funding and then you know goes on for there where you have companies that are more um have been around longer and they're, they're more stable. So that's, that's part of our value add. I mean, we, we do work with business owners when we're doing the valuation on um, kind of being a sounding board with them on if that 
um, the projections that they're giving us seem reasonable, but then we're based on our experience, we're kind of deciding what the appropriate discount rate is. And that's, that's one methodology to value business. And another is, is multiple, right? Either multiple sales or, or multiple of EBITDA sure. or something like that. Um, do you use that a lot? Is that something for an entrepreneur to think about um, at least as a starting point? It can be, and it kind of depends on the industry. So just, just to kind of give me an overview of the valuation process, there are three basic methodologies to value a business. One is, is referred to as the asset approach, or some people refer to that as NAV or net asset value approach. Then you have the market approach, which is what you were talking about, which is multiple of earnings, multiple of revenues, and then you have the income approach. And then with the income, again, I mentioned there's two sub approaches that you have the ca uh, capitalization of earnings, and then you have the discount of cash flow. With the market approach, you have uh, a couple of different methodologies. One is using public company comps, and then one is using private company comps from different databases. So for, for an entrepreneur, I think it really depends on the type of business it is. Um, so let me, let me explain that. If it's, if it's a, a software as a service business, it's, if it's some sort of IT business, um, oftentimes those are valued as a multiple of revenues. And so if a company is in a startup mode and they might not have, <coughs> excuse me, might not have any earnings, then it, it could be potentially valued as a multiple of revenues. It might make sense to do that. But oftentimes when you are trying to value companies that are in startup mode, um, more than likely you're going to be doing some sort of income approach or discounted cash flow, because that's really going to give you a, a better indication of value. I mean, so just for instance, let's say you have a company that's, I mean, it's only been around for, for a year and, and maybe, maybe their revenues are only half a million dollars. And so, yes, you can take a multiple of revenue, but let's say the company, let's say, you know, they're really onto something and the company's growing very quickly and maybe they're projecting $3 million in revenues next year and $10 million in revenues the third year. Uh, really makes more sense to do some type of discounted cash flow analysis. And then also just to kind of, um, you know, I kind of told you about the three methodologies. When you start getting companies that are in very, very early stages, um, a lot of um, um, venture capitalists have their own formulas that they like to use. And I mean, I'll just kind of throw out some examples, but it, it really is based on, on, which venture capitalist you're talking to. And so I, I often like to, when I'm meeting venture, venture capitalists, I, I often like to tell them or ask them how they value these early stage companies. And it is always kind of fascinating how everybody has their own, their own methodologies. And it might be something as if the founders have successfully launched other companies that have sold for, for lots of money, you know, then that just, so in, in essence, the valuation is really kind of de derived more on the founders than it is on any sort of future cash flow. 
That's so interesting. And I think this is the perfect sort of overview because valuation really comes into, a, into play a lot more often than I think most entrepreneurs think. You know, like I said at the outset, it, it typically comes to mind at the exit. Um, however, there are plenty of times, and you mentioned kind of yearly valuation, but there's other trigger events like taking on a partner or the estate planning piece of it, like you mentioned, um, or even something like setting up an ESOP or setting up um, other types of arrangements or agreements with internal or external partners. So um, this might be the first sort of taste that a lot of our listeners get. Um, so the, the uh, level of detail and overview that you provided, I think, was very good. 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 Glad to help. Let's shift gears a little bit more talking about you and, and what you're into. Um, rumor has it that you are an endurance athlete. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I, um, I, I guess I've always kind of been an athlete. I started running in, in high school and then um, at West Point, everybody's kind of required to be, be an athlete, whether you, um, whether you compete um, intercollegiately or not. So, um, in, in high school and West Point, I was on the marathon club and, and ran marathons and, and also, um, took the other, uh, basic, um, um, PE that we were required to do like swimming and boxing and that sort of thing. And then, um, about three years after I graduated, I got, really bad um, Achilles tendonitis. And so I thought, well, I can't run anymore. Let me, uh, let me pick up the bike. And so I bought a bike and I started biking. Then I thought, well, heck, you know, all I need to do is really know how to learn how to swim and I can start doing triathlons. And so I did my, my first triathlon was um, probably about six years after I graduated from West Point. And then, um, since then I've done, I don't know, probably 200 multi, multi-sport events, um, everything from a sprint triathlon to a full Ironman. I've done uh, six day mountain bike races. I've done lots and lots of uh, century rides. And so, um, I, I'm, I, I call myself an endurance athlete because I'm not real fast. <laughs> I just like to get out and go. Um, go for days on end, and so I I, um, I really enjoy that. Just last um, last um, July, I was in Mongolia, and that was quite an experience. I did a um, a six day uh, mountain bike race through Mongolia called the Mongolian Challenge, and then also I've done um, multi day races um, across Costa Rica, and then did another race called the Trans Alps, which was an eight day um, mountain bike race through um, through the Alps started in Germany and finished in in Italy. That's incredible. I love things like that too. Um, what would you say is the most difficult race that you've completed? Gee, you know, my most recent race is always always seems the most difficult because it's the most fresh in my mind, and um, the the pain fades and and so you could you could have a really really tough race and you're like you know I'm never going to do that again and then 2 years later you kind of forget how bad it really was and you're like hey I could do that again so so it's that's a hard question to answer other than probably the last race I did the Mongolian challenge was probably the most challenging race I did but you know if I 
if I would talk to a friend that did the, um, the race across Costa Rica with me, he'd probably say that was the toughest, but, um, very cool. Um, so as an endurance athlete and, um, army veteran out of West point, um, what parallels do you see to that level of training, that level of discipline, that level of endurance, um, to the business world? Well, I think, I think military veterans and, as you know, I'm involved in, in Bunker Labs, which helps military veterans start and grow businesses. And this is often repeated that veterans do make good entrepreneurs because for a lot of reasons, you know, they, 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 they have the warrior spirit. They learn to um, work through adversity. They learn how to develop plans and follow through on plans and, and reach the objective. And so I do think military veterans and, and I've, and I've seen this as well, just through my experience with, with Bunker Labs and, and also just not getting disappointed and, and failure. And, you know, there's other people say, and I, and I agree with that is you're not learning until you fail, which, um, you know, it's kind of a hard reality, right? Because if you're starting a business, you don't, you know, last thing you want is for it to fail, but there's a lot of learning and growth. So I would say if you're, if you're a, a veteran entrepreneur listening to this, um, you know, don't get discouraged and, you know, have a plan, have a plan of action, um, work your network, but you know, things, things do happen and you, you, know, you decide to pivot into something else, then, um, you, you probably will look back on that experience maybe with the first company that you, that you started and hopefully there's a lot of growth that and learning that comes from that um, situation. That's tremendous. And whether it's discipline or grit to overcome adversity um, or the internalizing of those lessons um, and carrying on forward, it's all very based in principle um, and one's individual principles, which are often strengthened, I think, in veterans. Um, so is there a principle or a saying or a quote, um, that helps to drive you? Well, there's, there's not any one thing I do like, you know, inspirational quotes. Um, and you know, I, there's, there's a Bible verse that, that comes to mind that I can read to you that I like, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's a famous book that was written, um, and I, th and I think it's um, Man's Search for Meaning, and it was written by um, a prisoner at um, Auschwitz, I believe, in a concentration camp, and it basically talks about how we can't, we can't control what happens to us in this, in this world. You know, you wake up, the day could be sunny, it could be raining. There's, there's, you know, you could be doing a, a bike race and you get two flats. You know, we, we can't control what happens to us in life. Um, you know, think, think of these people that, you know, we have this um, horrible coronavirus happening right now and it's really adversely impacting a lot of businesses, but then there's some opportunity in that as well. You know, um, you have um, Amazon that's hiring a hundred thousand people, but, but, but so it's kind of a principle that I live by. It's like, you can't control what happens to you in life. All you can really control is your reaction to that. And so that, that's, that's kind of a, a guiding principle, but I'm also a faith filled person as well. And 
one of my favorite Bible quotes is Romans 12, and I'll read part of it to you. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And so I like, I like the idea of, of being transformed. Um, and also what I, what I get from that Bible passage, you know, when it talks about do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, you know, s- sometimes good entrepreneurs are people that don't, you know, they're not following the herd. You know, that w- that's what makes them good entrepreneurs. They're, yes. they're, not, they're not conformist. And they're looking for those opportunities to kind of take that path less beaten and less traveled. So anyways, I, I, I like that verse. I, I like a um, man's search for meaning and I just like um, inspirational quotes and there's tons of them out there. If you just, you know, look for them on the internet. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely appreciate that as well. And sometimes the entrepreneurial path is a lonely one um, and you could be facing the trials and the challenges and the uncertainty sort of in your own mind. So even that Bible verse as it relates to the renewing of your mind fuels um, the freshness and the self-talk um, that is really more impactful, I think, to all of us internally than we even realize. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be some folks that are listening here that would love to reach out, um, you know, maybe to get your advice or maybe to connect or, or whatever it may be. So what's a, the best way for someone listening to get a hold of you? Sure. They could either go to um, LinkedIn and they could send me a connection request. I would just ask that um, if they do send me a connection request that they put a message in there and uh, LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to do that. So they can just say, Hey, I heard you know the podcast. I'd love to talk to you more. And so please send me a connection request, but put a, put a message in there and um, just search for Jeff Plank at Warren Averett. And then once, once you connect, um, I have all of my contact information there at LinkedIn or um, simply go to our website, um, W-A-R-R-E-N-A-V-E-R-E-T-T.com. And then you can search for my name um, under people and all my contact information is, is there as well. Perfect. And we'll put your LinkedIn uh, profile there in the, the show notes as well. Jeff, thanks for joining us. It's been phenomenal. I appreciate your insight and your time. Yep. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great day. And we leave you today with a quote from Oscar Wilde. The cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.